0: Hello, hello, beautiful soul! Welcome to another episode of Unapologetically Abundant Podcast, and I am really looking forward to today's episode because, as you know me, I absolutely love learning, growing, growth. It's one of my core values, and as you will see, today's guest, Cindy, it's really devoted to learning and sharing and teaching about nutrition, about how to be healing yourself, and. uh, specifically specializing in endometriosis. So Cindy, I am so excited to have you here today.
1: Yeah, I'm happy to be here. Thank you for having me.
0: Absolutely. And I told you, I gave you like a little bit of warning, you know, at the beginning, I'm like, I am starting my shows a little bit unusually. So how I start my podcast, Cindy, is with a little bit of guided visual meditation. Would you be open to do that with me?
1: Oh, yeah. That would be cool.
0: (laughs) I told you, I'm like, you don't know what's happening, but you will like it. Okay, I'm so down for this. So before we even go into our interview or anything, I'll just ask you to gently close your eyes and get really comfortable, you know, in your chairs. You can just lean back. I won't be asking you anything to do. So just really blend with your chair and melt into this moment. Taking a deep conscious breath through your nose. In and out through your mouth, releasing, breathing in and slowly out, releasing everything and anything that happened today, breathing in and slowly out and everything is slowing down around you. There is no time tracking, there's nothing else to do. There is only this presence, only this moment. And you're slowing down with your breath, slowing down and tuning into your heart. And you're feeling your body relaxing and grounding. And as you're relaxing in this present moment, I would love for you to visualize a beautiful sunny morning in Cuba. You're walking on the streets with your husband. You're smiling at the local people who are rising with the day, with the music. And you're so happy to be there The sunshine is just kissing your cheeks. And you're wearing light summer dress. And your husband is holding your hand. And as you're walking through the streets, there are little kids playing on the streets, playing and running around. And one of the little kids, a little girl, around four or five years old, She comes to you, she looks at you curiously and she asks, who are you? What is the one thing you would love to tell this little girl? Not what do you do, but who you really are. What would be your answer to her?
1: (laughs) How do you summarize that? (laughs) Um, You know what, I think the one thing that defines who I am more than anything else is am I am I keeping my eyes closed here
0: no you can do whatever feels right
1: to you (laughs) um I think the one thing that describes me most above anything and that's like a really you know big uh, guide for me is that I'm a daughter of God
0: Mm, that is beautiful Mm. thank you Cindy thank you yeah Thank yeah. you. And, uh, you know, sometimes I get to bring my guests back. They don't want to come back. <laughs> like, oh, it's sunny and nice here. Just leave me while I'm here. I'm going to close
1: my eyes again because I want to go back there.
0: It's like, Petty, I will talk to you later. <laughs> hey, bye. <laughs> Thanks for having me. <laughs> Thanks for having me. Yeah, no, I would bring you anyway back with me into this room and this interview and just, mm. uh, but leaving with the feeling of, spaciousness and peace and relaxation and your body it feels warmer it feels more vibrant your skin it's radiant because you breathe in all that fresh air and sunshine and connected with the people who dance on the street and love and are so generous and so kind so Might be a slow comeback, but sure. So we can also give to our listeners and yes, coming slowly back, but feeling more radiant, more relaxed, more present. See how I like starting my show.
1: (laughs) I love it. You know what? I have never done guided meditation. I haven't, I don't even you know, I tried for many years to get into meditation. And I just I feel like I'm too I have too many things on my mind, I always struggle to kind of stay in the moment. Mm-hmm. So maybe a guided meditation is better, because then I just focus on the voice. But that was very relaxing,
0: mm-hmm. Very relaxing.
1: I enjoyed Amazing. that very much.
0: Amazing. Thank you. Yeah, I did. Uh, you know, I, I struggled in the past in meditation to just like sit and like, think and do nothing. It's not that right. It's like, just being present to our thoughts and what really helped me was a guidance meditation and what I also use. So I do guidance meditation before sleep. It really helps me to tune out. And I also use a device called uh brain tap. I'm not sponsored by them or anything, but I just mm. use them every day. Um, it has, uh, lights and it has sounds and they're using also like NLP techniques and things like that. So, mm-hmm. uh, I listen to that and in 20 minutes I'm out, which would never happen before. Like I'm like in a bed, like, you know, an hour and thinking about the planning the next life, you know? So, um, mm-hmm. that's one thing that really, really, really helped me. So, um, yeah, back to Cuba, back to your answer. Um, I absolutely loved it, Cindy. Um, I love (laughs) that. That's what really, um, grounds you into who you really are. It's, it's amazing because sometimes we can give ourselves the unimportant labels. They can change from a day to day, right? Like I'm Mm -hmm. dietitian, I'm helping women. I'm, you know, helping women heal, like so many things that we can say we do. But who we really are, it's more important. It's it's above anything else. So um, I love that you have this faith, that you have this guidance. And I wonder, like, how does it impact you in, in your business? You know, like, how is the faith helping you? And, you know, before maybe we go into that, it's also like, how did you start it, your business? And then we can leap into the faith.
1: Mm, yeah, so... So I am a a registered dietitian and I am also somebody who lives with endometriosis. And when I was doing my master's degree, we had a, a clinical nutrition course and my professor gave us, you know, a long list of chronic conditions that we could present on for this specific project that we had at the time and endometriosis wasn't listed on that on that list so I approached her and I asked if I could do my presentation on endo and she said yeah certainly yes if that's what you'd like to do and you know, I was, I've always been passionate about nutrition and food, even before I I decided I wanted to pursue a career in dietetics. But in that moment is when I realized I'm gonna, I'm gonna create a private practice someday in this space. Um, You know, I'm similarly to a lot of people who have endo, I've gone through sort of the, the typical management options, right? I've had surgery, I've been put on birth control, I've explored other medicinal uh, interventions. And I just found that diet and lifestyle, and now I do want to preface by saying this isn't going to be an option for everybody, it's not going to work for everybody, but I found that it was the management option that suited me best. It was the most effective. It didn't shut down any of my body's natural systems. It was, it was, it's consistent with fertility, which is something that is important to me as well. So, you know, I just, it, it worked for, for me, there's, a mountain of research to tell us that diet and lifestyle can make a huge difference to symptoms of endometriosis and fertility. And so I decided I was going to start a private practice in this. And I have been blessed to support literally at this point, hundreds of women. Um, So, so that's, that's how I started my practice. Um, I've been online for over two years now, uh, and I had my practice kind of more locally before then, but um, but now my presence is largely online. So I think I answered your question.
0: <laughs> yes, you did. Thank you. Yes. And also, I was wondering, you know, the second part of the question is, how is fate helping you in your business and in your own
1: life? Mm-hmm. Well, I think the first thing that comes to mind when answering that question is keeping me honest. And, you know, I, I, I try to stay humble. I mean, I think pride is, is in every single person. I think it's in our human nature to be a bit prideful, right? Especially when you become a specialist in a space, you, you want to feel, or naturally it's, it's normal to feel like, you know, a lot or that, you know, a lot better, uh, or a lot more than somebody else. But you know, that I think being connected with my faith allows me to kind of remain humble, you know, for the most part, I'm not always, I'm not perfect, but, um, you know, a lot of my clients will bring in things that work for them or things that don't work for them or things that I maybe want them to try, but maybe they have, you know, tried in their own way and, and didn't, it didn't quite work for them. So I guess what I'm, what I'm alluding to here is not thinking that I know better, but rather to be very receptive to my clients and open to, you know, the things that they have tried and the things that worked or didn't work. Even if I feel like, oh, well, the science tells us that this will work. Maybe you did it wrong or something like mm-hmm. that. I don't know if I'm making any sense, but humility, open to communication. Um, you know, one of the, the most common comments I get, feedback that I get from my clients is that I listen, right? Uh, which I think also comes from you know, it's a gift, right? It's a gift. So patience and, and being able to listen and not just speak. Mm -hmm. Um, so yeah. And, and, you know, I think there's a lot more that comes from it, but I think that those are, I guess the, the main ones that come to mind. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Thank you for
0: sharing that. And I'm, I'm wondering, you know, because like before we hit the the recording, I was sharing with how I feel about endometriosis and I don't have it. Right. So it's Mm -hmm. like, how can you describe something that you have never had? Or, you know, it's, it's, it's like telling a blind person to describe a kaleidoscope, right? Like sure. <laughs> how, 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 how could they know it? They, they don't know. So for those who are listening and maybe they're healing through it or just got a diagnosed, or maybe they're wondering, you know, and researching on their own, what is endometriosis and how is it, what is your, believe that how is it created in our body and how can mm-hmm. we you know there will be a million questions after that but let's start with that yeah so what is oh. it and why like why do you believe because of course each practitioner or each uh expert can have a different feeling about a different experience maybe you're attracting different clients patients so mm-hmm. what is what is your feeling about it like how sure. is it created and you know
1: Okay. So <laughs> clinically endometriosis is defined as a benign gynecological condition that's very chronic in nature. Um, so to, to simplify this, basically it's this tissue that's similar, but not identical to the endometrium. So the lining of the uterus and it grows in all parts of the body. So at this point, endometrial like tissue has been found on every organ. It reacts similarly to the hormonal stimulus when we, you know, when we menstruate. And so, you know, the, the estrogen, uh, because it is an estrogen dependent condition. So this endometrial like tissue reacts or responds rather to this stimulus from the, from the estrogen and It bleeds similarly to the way that the endometrium would. The problem is that there's no out, right? It can't get out if it's not coming out from the uterus, right? So it bleeds in various parts of the body and it forms the scar tissue and the scar tissue can then adhere to organs. It it can, uh, you know, cause infertility, debilitating life altering pain, Mm. um, you know, it, it can cysts. some, some women experience this, particularly if they're specific to endometriosis, they're called endometriomas. Uh, so, so that is a potential consequence as well of having endometriosis. Um, I don't know if you necessarily want me to go through some of the, the symptoms, but, you know, I already listed some off like debilitating pain and fertility. A really common one too is like, um, like GI distress. So constipation, loose stools are really common, very severe, painful bloating is, is common with endo as well. Um, I'm always mindful to make a comment to about sort of the indirect consequences of living with a chronic inflammatory condition. So the aspects of, you know, uh, social life, employment, uh, you know, and this is something that's a, a reality for me where, you know, for a big chunk of my life when I was studying, I was calling in routinely sick to work every single month. Right. And and this takes a toll on you eventually when you are calling in sick every month, you know, routinely, you know, relationships start to fall apart because you know you're struggling just to take care of yourself how are you supposed to enter into a relationship with somebody else whether that's romantic or friendship or or with family members right so um there's a lot of statistics around employment and how much money is lost uh by people who who live with endometriosis right because we can't work or or maybe we struggle to get an education because of the pain and and the chronic nature of the condition so you know, a ton, a ton more to say about that. I made that comment about fertility, right? So 50% of all infertility cases are associated with endometriosis and 30% of people within the endometriosis population will struggle to conceive. So massive, massive, you know, threat to fertility as well. Um, And then in terms of your second question about my beliefs about how it originates, I feel like I have to be very very careful with my <laughs> with my wording here. You can just say like I feel, you know, it's not yeah. like I'm stating
0: it's not a fact and I'm not asking for like a, you know, doctor fact. I'm just like sure. what do you feel? Like what is your feeling about it? We're not stating, you know, any yeah. facts here. We're not
1: doctors. It's just like how do yeah. you feel about it? well, you know, it it wouldn't be a fact because we don't actually know. (laughs) We don't actually know why endo happens. But, uh, and and I want to preface by saying for anybody who's listening, who may have endometriosis, it's not your fault. You didn't do anything to develop endometriosis, right? Just like I didn't do anything to develop endometriosis. So I want to preface with that. I want to be very mindful um, about that. But, you know, we certainly know that there's a major genetic component. So if you are you know, a woman who has, um, some, some women in your family in your immediate family has endometriosis, like your mom or your cousins, or maybe even a, a grandmother, then you're about six times as likely to develop endo. So there's a massive genetic component. I also believe that there's a big, uh, you know, immune system dysfunction key. So there's a lot of information that we already have on this topic. We already know how there are various cells of the immune system that don't quite work the way that they're supposed to. And so when something's only working at, let's say hypothetically an 80% capacity, well, then you have that 20% you know, potential for something to form. And in this case, we're talking about endometriosis Mm -hmm. uh, and endometrial-like tissue growing, you know, elsewhere in the body. Um, And then we certainly do have research around various aspects of diet and lifestyle that can contribute to endometriosis, right? So contrary to popular belief, high uh, higher intake so two to three servings of dairy products a day are actually preventative for endometriosis. That's what we see in the research. Um, naturally higher uh, produce intake and and lower intakes of red or processed meat also are associated with, uh reduce reduce risk of endometriosis rate. So the, the less red or processed meat you're consuming and the more uh fresh fruits and vegetables you're consuming, the lower your risk of developing endo. So I guess that's my answer to that question. There's a couple things we know, but really like at the root, where is it coming from? And actually, before we started recording, you made a really, really good point, which is the, the, uh, the trauma and abuse component. So we actually have research about this already, that people who experience some kind of trauma or neglect in their younger years are also at increased risk of developing endometriosis. So there's so many moving parts, it's hard to pick just one. But but I think the immune system and the genetic component are huge. Yeah.
0: Thank you for sharing that, you know, and, and like I said, like for you, like living in it and with it, it's, it's different experience because you're looking at it from inside for me, experiencing it through the people, I'm seeing it from the outside and who am I, right? Like, who am I? I was just making observations because I love learning and I love understanding. And I mentioned to you, um, I used to have a roommate who had, you know, things in her life that were just weighing her down, you know, emotionally and past traumas and she would turn emotionally into the eating. So, um, definitely not fresh, fresh produce, (laughs) definitely not fresh things. So for me, just seeing her go through that suffering was, was painful. And, you know, in those moments, I just like, wished and prayed that she would turn into like, you know, instead of just going to the doctor and uh, give me a pills and take me to the surgery, which, you know, like I said, there is a place for it. Why don't we start with what can I do right now? What can I change and shift right now? What is your experience with, um, you know, healing these things naturally? Like when again, we're no doctors here. I'm just like, I'm I'm really designed to understand it. Mm -hmm. When there is a place to say, you have to go and have a surgery right now, or why don't you try to focus on your nutrition movement, suiting yourself, you know, like working with specialists first, like how do you feel about those two options?
1: Yeah, I think you and I are probably on the same page about this. Uh, The one comment I guess I'll make here is, there's a lot of things that predispose a person with endometriosis to very poor digestion for example or an inability to absorb nutrients so being chronically inflamed will do things like lower your stomach acid for example or um or your, your ability to produce digestive juices to, to properly and adequately break down the food that you're consuming for nutrition, for the body, right? A lot of people with endor are in chronic pain all the time, right? Some, some women experience pain only, you know, around ovulation or menstruation, but some women experience it all the time. And so when you're not feeling well, all the time, you have very inconsistent eating habits, right? And so that's also going to hinder your body's ability to absorb nutrients from the food that you're consuming. And the food that we eat, it's comprised of the tools we need to support improvements in our symptoms, right? So I think if somebody's extremely, like severely debilitated by endometriosis, then I think there is a place for something like surgery, because if we can cut away some of that endometrial-like tissue, and I say this with um, with some caution, because surgery is not the answer for everybody. You know, you have a ton, a, a massive proportion of women with endo who go get surgery and don't see any improvements in symptoms. I'm one of them, right? I did not see any change in my symptoms wow. coming out of surgery. How
0: is that possible? You know, that if they yeah. like... And you know, it's just like for me again. I'm looking from the outside, and mm-hmm. and I'm like looking at behind this window. I was like, how is that even possible? You know, that nothing would change if you go to the surgery and they remove this this tissue, right? So yeah. how is yeah. it possible that it wouldn't get better? And also why is it if I if I understand it correctly it 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 can grow back right like so Mm -hmm. even if you remove it because that's what I remember happened with my roommate she went and she had a surgery because she was in excruciating pain you know and a lot of bleeding so of course there is the surgery in place but I also remember a few months later she had to she told me and back then you know I I didn't know what I know now but she told me like oh they just have to clean it up again I'm like what do you mean like
1: clean it up again like like mm-hmm. so how? yeah well because endometriosis is incredibly complex right if it was as simple as just cutting it away then you know problem solved but there are so many components to endo so first of all if you're somebody this is very complicated. So it's, I think a little bit hard for me to simplify, but in some people, and, and this is another thing too, it's endometriosis isn't the same in every body. Yeah. It's, it's mm-hmm. different. So in some people, the endometrial like tissue may be metabolically active. It may be a source of estrogen, right? The tissue itself can produce more estrogen, but not everybody with the condition. Has that, right? Not everybody with endometriosis has metabolically active endometrial-like tissue. So for somebody whose disease is proliferating very quickly because they have this major estrogen dominance issue, well, and, and their and their tissue in particular is a source of estrogen. Well, in somebody like that, I can definitely see. The potential for symptom improvement because you're cutting away not just the tissue that may be binding your organs, or maybe you're having a cyst removed that's creating a lot of pressure in your abdomen. Um, So, cutting that away, removing it is going to be helpful because not only are you removing the tissue that's binding your organs, but you're also removing a source of that estrogen that's essentially feeding the endometriosis. But for somebody who doesn't have metabolically active tissue, but for example, has a higher amount of inflammatory chemicals in general circulation, because this is something we know about endometriosis as well, right? You can have both systemic, uh, a higher concentration of systemic as well as localized inflammatory chemicals. So what I mean by that is, Localized. what we have seen in the research is that a lot of women have a higher amount of inflammatory uh, uh, chemicals, excuse me, in the peritoneal fluid. So in that fluid surrounding the abdominal organs, right? And this has a big role to play in fertility, but other women have a higher amount of systemic inflammation. So if you're somebody who's listening and you're well-informed on this topic, you may see an elevated CRP in somebody's blood work, or you may see an elevated CA-125. This is systemic. This is an indicator of systemic inflammation, right? So just cutting away some tissue, let's say hypothetically located on your left abdominal wall, isn't going to address that systemic inflammation. We have to address the sources of inflammation. How is your gut health? Are you clearing your estrogen through properly? Are you exposed regularly to heavy metals? What's your diet like? Are you getting poor sleep quality, right? All of these things help. Iron, are you supplementing iron or is iron getting stuck in your tissues? We need to address the source of that inflammation. So I guess that's a bit of a complicated answer to your question slash, slash frustration, but it's not just about the tissue that's growing. It's about what else is happening, right? Is there systemic or localized Uh, inflammation. Mm. Another thing just quickly I'll I'll comment on is we know that there's this massive immune system dysfunction piece in endometriosis and around 70 to 80% of our immune system is located in the gut. So if you're chronically constipated, if you're not eating enough fiber, you know, if you, um, you know, if you have poor uh, pelvic floor muscle strength, uh, then your immune system is going to struggle to clear away that endometrial like tissue, and you're probably going to have faster proliferating endo. So, when I'm working with my clients, I'm always starting with gut health, right? Because a lot of other systems benefit and improve when the gut health is optimized. So, this is another thing. If you're going into surgery and you're chronically constipated or you've got other gut health issues, um, maybe you have a history of antibiotic use, or uh, maybe you have very poor gut flora diversity, then chances are, yeah, you're going to be back in that OR in a year or two or three, because you're not getting to the root of what's driving that endometriosis. So hopefully that makes sense.
0: No, it, it does. I know it's, it's a very, very, you know, like a large topic and I'm like, putting it into this, you know, short, small episode, and I want to bring a different perspective. I want to, and, and my main intention in my heart, it's really to bring hope and healing to others. Mm-hmm. You know, that's mm-hmm. what really inspires me. And, uh, um, so for those, um, they're listening, Cindy, as we are wrapping it up for the woman who is listening right now, and she is, you know, struggling and healing through endometriosis. What is the one
1: thing you want her to know? oh, well, I'm just going to take the words right out of your mouth. There absolutely is hope 100%. It's it's very overwhelming, I can imagine, for somebody who's newly diagnosed and has no idea how to manage this disease, but it is absolutely manageable with diet and lifestyle. Um, Certainly, it does require a bit of effort on the part of the person. I'm not saying that it's easy. Uh, Remember, I do live with this disease myself, and I am very frequently frustrated about the fact that at certain times of my cycle, I can't enjoy a glass of wine or some gin with my husband, or I have to be extra careful about what I'm choosing to put into my body. Because I know if I eat that certain thing, then I'm going to have a massive flare where I'm going to be vomiting. I'm going to have, you know, everything. I'm not going to get into the details TMI, but I'll have, I'll be burning up. I'll be, I'll lose complete control of my body. Right. But but there absolutely is hope. I have worked with, like I said in the beginning, hundreds of women at this point, And I have not, uh, I have not, not seen improvements in a single person that's how powerful diet and lifestyle is every single person i've worked with has seen improvements every single one a hundred percent of the people i've worked with the degree of those improvements varies of course some people see massive improvements in their in their pain uh, massive improvements in their gut health massive improvements in their hormone uh uh imbalance symptoms and others see smaller improvements but when you're living with a chronic illness and you're constantly in pain if if you could bring your pain down from 30 days a month to 20 days a month or 10 days a month wouldn't that still be impactful of course it would right so there's hope 100% it's it's uh you know, and I think this is an unpopular opinion. I feel like I'm yelling into this microphone. I'm so sorry to everybody who's listening. I'm very passionate about this topic. Um, but I think this is a bit of an unpopular opinion, but, and this is just my, this is just my opinion, of course, right? But being somebody who lives with endometriosis and on repeat every month have been immobile, laying on the floor in pain, you know, heavy bleeding, you um, It's a bit of a blessing in disguise because as much as I hate living with a chronic condition that controls aspects of my life, my life, like my food choices and and how aggressively I can exercise and that sort of thing. It also keeps me in check, right? Because I know that if I have that glass of wine, or if I know that if I have, you know, a highly processed takeout meal that I'm going to be in pain the next day. So it keeps me in check a little bit. And I've never been more, humble than in those moments where i'm just immobile on the floor in pain right and it really just it's an opportunity to ground me right ground me remind me who i am remind me of my strength remind me that i've been through this time and time again and so it's i i know it's a very unpopular opinion but that's just mine i hate it but simultaneously it is a bit of a blessing and um It just reminds me, you know, over and over again, how strong, how strong I can be and how strong other women who have this condition are. And uh, there's hope. Yeah. Sorry. That was a really long answer, but there is hope.
0: (laughs) I love it. I love it because, you know, I love um, creating a safe space for people to live in their passion. So seeing you and your passion and how it really lights you up, it's a life giving. So Cindy, no apologies, please just (laughs) live your passion because you never know who is listening. You never know who you are inspiring you know, we're launching this in, you know, just a couple of the weeks on my podcast, but people can come to it a year later, five years later. And those are the people who will need you the most. So your passion, it's literally saving lives. So Cindy, I know I connected with you on Instagram, but are there any other places you love connecting with people where they can find you and learn more about how to
1: work with you and how to learn from you? Mm, yeah. So I'm most active on Instagram. My handle is endo.fertility.dietitian with two T's, no C. I do have a website, endometriosisdietitian.ca. Uh, and I also have a Facebook presence. I think my Facebook page is supported endo RD, <laughs> but I, but clearly I'm not nearly as active on Facebook. So those would be the best places to, to touch base, uh, and, uh, and find me and what else can I share? You, did you want me, it, it, was that the answer to your question? That was an answer unless there's okay, something okay. else
0: that you have like burning desire to share, but <laughs> I just wanted to give people the space, you know, where they can connect with you and Thank you so much, Cindy, for today. And like I mentioned, like your passion and your devotion to healing, it's really helping healing and saving lives because being in pain, it's no life. So when you can improve it, even when it's little by little, it is literally life giving. So thank you so
1: much. Thank you so much for having me. It's been a pleasure to chat with you. (laughs)